Hi, this is Roberta Fallon, and I'm at the TGMR radio station at Moore College of Art and Design. And here today with me is Michelle Marcusa. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Roberta. Thank you for coming out. It's a beautiful day, so good day to walk over to Moore College from North Philly or where it was that you yeah. came from. Um, so Michelle is an artist and a gallery director, co-director, and so we're going to talk about both of those things. Um, you were born in South Africa, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Correction. Oh, correction, okay. Yes. Well, I grew up in South Africa, but ah. I was born in New York so that I could get a passport, and that was my grandfather's decision, that I, whom I never met. But um, So I'd never lived here until I arrived in 84. Oh my gosh, yeah. okay, uh, thanks for correcting that. Yeah. Such an interesting story. Um, anyway, you've had many solo and uh, been in gr group exhibitions in Philadelphia and elsewhere, many places, including the current Fleischer Wind Challenge exhibit at Fleischer Art Memorial, which congratulations for, that's a big honor to be in that Thank show. You. You're welcome. Yeah. And that shows up until November 12th. Um, you also co-direct House Gallery along with mm -hmm. Henry Bermudez, which you started together in 2010. Uh, and we'll get into that also because I want to talk to you about being both an artist and a gallery co-director. It's a really, a lot of people are doing it nowadays, but not in their own houses. So, you know, it's House Gallery, it's in your house. So first of all, let's talk about your work. Um, I want to say that I saw the Fleischer Challenge show, and the first thing that struck me was how poignant the work is. Uh, it's made out of materials that are kind of recycled materials, mm, that's right. uh, cardboard and other mm -hmm. materials, and you use glue. Um, w can you describe to me what they look like first, and also what, how you're making them and why? I know those are three <coughs> big questions. Big questions. Well, um, they, I use recycled uh, cardboard. It's cheap, it's around, it speaks to me. And um, they look like they're in a state of disrepair, the pieces. And in effect, they are. Um, they are just glued together. I don't use much... Um, you know, there are no screws or wood or anything like that, although I have been tempted at times to put in some wood for support. I am not used to making things large. This was a big jump for me, and it took me a while to get things to stand. And I learned ways, especially if you're by yourself working, how do you hold things up? Um, some of the contortions I got into were really amazing. And... Um, Towards the end, I realized I could hang things or put them up and build down. So there were little things like that, that you, you find your own level. You know, water finds its own level, so do I. Um, why do I make them? I don't know what drew me to cardboard. You know, it was one of those things that was quite, I would say, unconscious. I, for so long, I wanted to work three-dimensionally. And I couldn't. I tried many times in between painting. I would stop. I would work for a couple of weeks, but nothing would get resolved. And one day, I picked up something that I'd worked on some years before and 
resolved it in a few moments, like maybe half an hour, and it was like, that's it. It was really one of those aha moments. Yeah, we should yeah. mention that you, I know you from days when you were painting in encaustic and teaching yes. other people how to work in encaustic and making beautiful abstract paintings. Yeah. So the show at Fleischer is architectural in a way. Mm -hmm. the, the cardboard structures you're making do emulate a kind of shanty architecture mm -hmm. uh, that you might find in um, a seaside, mm -hmm. perhaps. Uh, or, you know, a shanty town somewhere. Oh, South Africa has a lot of those, and so do many places in the world. Um, I was in South Africa, but that I'd already started working like this. Uh, and I'm not even sure why it's taking the form of a house. You know, what we create is often some an emotional imprint from inside that comes out. Um, I used to make, as a child, a lot of nesting places with my brother. We would play inside shadows and think that they were homes. And we had a pretty much unfettered childhood being uh, just running without our adult supervision. Hmm. So we would build things and mud things and in trees. You, you, had, uh, you were out in the country? You weren't in the city? I was in city. South Africa. Well, it's... Cape Town is, nobody lives in the city part. They live around the city. Huh. Uh, but it's a small place, so the city is right there. But it's not a residential place. Like here in Philadelphia, people live inside the city. I don't know what it's like now, but there probably are some people living there. Yeah, in, it's in Cape just Town, like buildings for... It's more of a commercial district. Commercial, yeah. But I, I imagine that it's actually changed, that there are people now living, but it's not the predominant amount of people. Most people live around. It's beautiful. There are many gorgeous places in close proximity to the city. So um, I think that's maybe where it came from, that nesting feeling. But it wasn't a conscious thing. It was like going back to my childhood and building as the crow flies. You find something that fits, you make it fit. I like that, as the crow flies. It, yeah. Essentially, there's a practicality to it. And I actually do live in the pieces while I'm building them. What? I, you no, live no, in I them? No, I don't. Mentally, I'm traversing. I'm not actually... No, I don't get... <laughs> they're not that strong. <laughs> and they're they're not that big either. Not while big, they are big, yeah. they're not that big. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, mentally, I'm in there when I'm working on it. Got it. Do you envision them... Um, some of them are placed on the wall, and some mm -hmm. are freestanding on the floor. Um, you have them in your house also on a piano. There, mm -hmm. there were a couple of them I remember seeing last weekend when you had your studio open for yeah. post. Um, so in a way, they're models. They, they aren't perhaps models. Let me put it this way. They emulate models so that you, you are a giant and you look at them and they seem very... Um, archetypal of a certain type of housing that you that might... I love that you got that. Yeah. Because in so many of the things, even when I'm walking outside, I see an environment underneath at my feet, and there are things there, imaginary things. And that's the, the part that I think I bring from my childhood as well. And in a lot of my drawings, I am in the position of looking down on or flying over. Um... 
I think these are an extension of my drawings, which were sort of architectonic in a dreamlike way. And... Yeah, I can see you that. Know, and they, that long piece in the gallery, yes. I think it was like a long sentence, like a drawing. It was the easiest one I made. It came towards the end. Uh, I didn't have the, the gravity problems that I was having before trying to get things to stay up. And um, it was, to me, the closest thing to my drawings, the way I the way I started and moved forward, it was when I draw. I don't start on the whole thing. I draw and it builds. I start in one area and build across. Later on, I might go back and and address the whole. But when I'm starting, I, can, I only have two hands and I use one predominantly. <laughs> so I start at one point. Uh huh. Yeah, I could see. I think it's interesting that you call yeah. the long, it must be, I don't know, five feet long? It's 10 feet, actually. It's 10 feet it's long. It's a 20-foot wall, mm. so it's a 10-foot it's structure. Yes. Yeah. And it's not very high, and it no, doesn't... it's narrow. It's narrow, yeah. and it sticks out maybe a foot from... Yeah, in some know, cases. In yeah. width. So, but it is kind of like a sentence, if you think. Yeah. Did you start at one end, and you kept building left to right or right to left, or you started in the middle? In the middle, actually. I, it took forms in ways that I didn't expect, which is often the case when artists are working, you don't know where it's going, and you get your impulses from what's coming, what's arriving. So it actually started in the middle. I worked one way, left to right at first, and then I worked right to left, and then things started to, that's all modular because I knew I had to get it down the stairs, which was a big problem. I, I thought I might have to cut up some pieces. I didn't have to. But at one point I thought, ah, it's so hard to figure, because it, it's not like a linear shape. And so it was hard to really measure until I tried to get it down. Unfortunately, it just made it. Without having to, like, did a break or anything no, like that? Nothing broke? No, but at some point I, I split this sculpture into two and became it became modular and I realized I like the fact that it's modular it's it's not carved in stone and for me carving in stone is a little bit too severe I can't change my mind and I change my mind a lot it yeah. sounds like it you have an intuitive practice I know that very there are much, some people yeah. I mean architects have a very you're making things that may seem like houses but you're not using an architectural style of work where you yeah. plan it all out and diagram it on a piece of paper a blueprint whatever you're working more intuitively which is more I I think more like a painter coming yeah. out of and and someone that draws has a a very um, robust drawing practice that was a problem my intuitive way of working collided with the need to be more logical and engineering this was there were many blood sweat and tears in the beginning because i didn't know and i couldn't draw it out to determine because most of it's based on what comes up and you had you said something interesting that it, um, the pieces are almost like maquettes, like models. I love small, I love diminutive because it makes me feel large. <laughs> I can go over it and pretend that I'm in another world looking down at something. But in effect, these did become 
um, models for the larger pieces. So I thought, when I tried to build it from that, from a small piece, um, it wasn't easy because I was sticking too closely and not letting go of the shoreline. At some point, I had to say, look, stuff it. I've got to go, and I, it's not working. And so there were many cut-ups, and I, at that point, I started to draw. I don't draw in the beginning, but when I've got a problem, I draw. It's like when I have a problem, I pray kind of thing, but I don't pray this is the way I do it. I figure it out when it's stuck, or I'll photograph it and run it through Photoshop and then draw on it, you know? Interesting. So you do whatever you can. Mm -hmm. But another technique that I've always had, even when I was in art school, was a mirror. I can't work without a mirror. Hmm. And in actual, because I see everything back to front, and I see it at a distance. In fact, I actually love my world, my, my world, better in a mirror. <laughs> Because it looks different. I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm somewhere else. Interesting. And um, a mirror is just in, an important part of my, my practice. practice. Yeah. I can see that. Um, I think other people have done that. Oh, yeah. It's not new. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I had never thought of a mirror as part of a practice, though. It's it's an interesting idea. Yeah, if I get stuck, it's very helpful. Huh. It's like I suppose it's like taking a photograph and flipping it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Huh. So um, some of the things that your work seems to deal with, at least in that exhibit, and the drawings, too. The drawings are very dreamy. Mm -hmm. And so I don't read necessarily a sadness into them, yeah. whereas the sculpture has a rather sad affect. And it's not just because yeah. of the cardboard mm -hmm. being a used material. It's the structures you're building. They're very anthropomorphic in a way. They're sort mm -hmm. of old, and they're human they're dwellings. They're very vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the drawings seem have to have a fairy tale quality. You'll have a figure in them in this sea of yeah. mist, maybe a vehicle, yeah. some color. Rowboats. Rowboat, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but they're not particularly sad, yeah. I didn't think, the drawings. But uh, the sculpture, maybe because it harkens back to your childhood and memories and the shanty mm. towns that you saw, but also, you know, looking back to your childhood can be a little sad. Yeah. We all get nostalgic for yeah. playing as children. It sounds like you had a wonderful childhood playing with your brother. Yes and no. That's the dichotomy there. That's the split. It was wonderful because you're a child and you're innocent. But children also pick up what's going around. And I did. I was one of those children who observed and felt... And it was very difficult. It was painful. And the climate... What in particular? Well, there were people that had nothing. Mm. There were the, um, the weather in Cape Town, for example, very violent in winter, which is mm. what, it can be wonderful. Mm -hmm. But the rain comes down in a solid sheet. The wind howls. I mean, you're right on the Cape of Good Hope. And I remember lying in bed and just being really upset because people didn't have habitats. Hmm. And I saw things once. My doctor, I came out of the doctor's office at a young, as a young kid, and 
there was a guy there with a really badly hurt leg and wanted the doctor to see it. And the doctor said no. I mean, those kind of mm -hmm. things, as you, mm -hmm. you feel it as a child. You don't have those filters. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I ever developed them really. <laughs> but I don't know yeah. if it's a good thing to develop them. I, I mean, sometimes I wish, but it's uh, it's good and bad. I mean, it's whatever it is. You get you adjust. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, are you um, your shows up at Fleischer till the twelfth of November? Yeah. How are you going to store all this? It's oh, there's God. it's very large, even though yeah. it's not huge. Yeah. But it's a lot to store. Well, I think I thinking I'm thinking of hanging things at the ceiling. But I'm luckily taking one piece to a show at Tyabereck, I don't know if I can say the word, Tyabereckio in Harlem or the Bronx. There's a show there on couples, and Henry's in it as well. Excellent. So that would buy me some time, some space and time. Um, other than that, I mean, I've toyed with, it's, I haven't, I have been known to break things up and reuse them. That might be a possibility. Um, we'll see. But for sure, in the beginning, it's going to be on the ceiling if they're back home. In yeah. in your living space or in your studio. studio? The living space is really for artists. We don't show our work when there's another artist around. Okay, so yeah. let's let's segue into the gallery now because we okay. brought it up. So House Gallery started in 2010. Yeah. What was the impetus? You must have had an aha moment, you and Henry, that said, right. let's do this, because you've devoted your entire first floor, pretty much, to showing other people's art. A um, couple of things, actually. We had no walls. It seemed like it, well, we took all the walls down. Oh, so you rehabbed your own we, house. We destroyed, I mean, destroyed. We took it down to the bones, and we moved in. It was dreadful the first winter. I mean, very miserable. There was no insulation. We put the heat on and it was $700 out the door within a few moments. Out the door, the walls, it was gone. So we ended up just living around a kerosene heater and moving it wherever we <laughs> oh, went. No. So we had the space. Um, we were on the Arts Corridor. We are on the Arts Corridor on Frankfurt on Avenue. Avenue. And it just seemed to make sense. Both of us are in the arts. Um, it seemed to make sense just to, we didn't know if it was going to fly. We had no idea, and we invited our friends into show, and people came. That was the biggest amazing thing. You know, it's like that movie, if you build it, they will come. And, uh, of course, in those days, we would give out free beer, and we had tons of people <laughs> gathering. It was kind of like a bribe, maybe, and then we got a little wiser to that. So we do give out wine, but the, the beer kegs are no longer. <laughs> it got too expensive for us. We weren't, we're not getting any money from this. It's not a commercial gallery. Has anything ever sold out of it? I mean, just between the artists that you're showing and Some someone that comes has, in? has, at times. Not a lot. It's, the whole thing about House Gallery really is to... The word celebrate is a bit of a cliche, but really it's to have a party, connect, uh, enjoy ourselves. People come in that have never s experienced art because, well, now they have, but at the time people were very unfamiliar in the neighborhoods, not everybody. 
Um, and they would come in and had the idea that art should be portraits or something, uh, and they weren't seeing that. So it was interesting, and they, they hung out with us sometimes. Um, yeah, let's talk about the type of art you show, because it's not pretty pictures on the wall. Um, the show you have up now, or I guess it opens this week. On Friday. On Friday. Yeah. Um, is Eric Ruin, R-U-I-N. So yes. first of all, I have to ask you about the name. Is that his real name? I never even thought to ask him. I, I'm assuming it is. Is it so odd? I think it's odd. I think okay. it sounds like a street Eric, name. Eric, you hear that? You've got an odd name. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it's a very arty name. It's a street name. It, I love yeah. it, actually. Yeah. It suits him. I don't know Eric that well. I, I admire his work, and he's a very dedicated artist. And he also sometimes works with musicians and spoken word and dance. So, so it's a bit of a performance. His work I see as performance in some ways, even if it isn't the traditional kind of performance. There is part of that. There's light. There are things moving. He does cut paper of, of um, it seems like, quite a vulnerable world as well. And I think what he's planning for his opening is, um, and I haven't seen them, so I've, he's just spoken about them, some boxes where you will crank the image and there'll be light behind, and so you would, you would get a narrated image developing for you. So it's going to also be interactive. Sounds great. So do yeah. you do studio visits? Did you visit his studio? And is that how you selected him? Or I didn't do it. Well, I have been to his studio years ago. I happened upon it. And I didn't realize it was Eric until later when we were speaking. But we do sometimes do studio visits. And I like that, even if it's not an artist that uh, we will necessarily show. It's just so nice to go and see what people are doing and to um, connect, which is really what House Gallery is about. A lot of connections happening in a very happy way. And yeah. you, you have music as well sometimes, mm -hmm. yes? Not coincident with the openings or at the openings or it doesn't matter, a combination? Usually not at the opening, but next year in May, we're going to have Neil Feather. He builds instruments, and he's played at House Gallery. Um, the people who book House Gallery space is um, Fire Museum Presents is the name of their little their little production, it's underground almost production. I don't mean to use the word little. It's just not out there in a, in a mass market. And uh, Stephen Tobin and Leah, his wife, um, I, I should give Leah's last name, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, they, they connect with the artists and bring them in. It's really very experimental music. Some people would call it noise music. Some huh. of it has been absolutely wonderful, like people that have really studied but have broken down their form. And um, we had Tholem, I think it's Tholem, you say his name, and I, he just goes by that. Playing, he's got a classical background, wonderful pianist. Neil Feather has played amongst other people, 
as part of a group. He, he didn't play solo. But when he comes to do a show next year, it's going to be an exhibition of the instruments that he makes. What kind of instruments? It's his own okay, instruments. So they're Things that make a noise, make a sound. He's just got at Guggenheim, actually. Cool. So he's coming in, and we plan, hopefully, to have some workshops as well, and then maybe do a concert with that. This sounds great. We're still talking about that. Uh -huh. It's not fleshed out yet. This, this is yeah. in May of 2017? Maybe it's June now. He was going to be in May. I think we he needed to move it. Yeah, next year. That's something to look forward to. Um, there is, I should mention, this very large grand piano, I think it is, or it baby is. grand. It's a grand. medium, yeah. In your, uh, in your gallery space, in yeah. your living room, actually. So do you play? Does Henry play? You Henry play together? Play. No, I grew up playing. I didn't do art till many years later. Huh. Uh, I'm a very slow developer. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I, had, I did music at school and graduated with it. And I love music. I don't really play so much now because I have to focus. I can't do everything. I play for me sometimes and for Henry. Classical. It's classical. You know, my classical background was so strong that I absolutely can't break it. I can't loosen up. And it's a little bit maddening and humbling, especially in the face of so much, so much good music that comes through. But I can't. That's just is what it is. Well, even yeah. if you can't play experimental music, it yeah. sounds like you can appreciate it. You have a wider array of yeah. music that you accept than my what ear, you play. My ear had to get used to some of this. It wasn't like an easy, uh, it wasn't a quiet taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you come to the US? You were born here, then you grew up in South Africa. Yeah. And when did you arrive here? after being in South Africa? Well, I also was in the Middle East for about seven years. In I what part? I followed an Israeli boy sailor. I was only going to stay for three months, and I ended up staying seven years. Not, not for religious reasons, more for love reasons. But in the interim, we broke up, and I was, at, I was studying textile design at the school then. I'd come back in between because my parents were not happy that I was living there. They needed me to get a career. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and then I went back to meet him and entered the school, the Shankar College for Textile and Textile Technology and Fashion Design. Um, I didn't know I had art in me, to tell you the truth. I did music, so I didn't believe that I could it just seemed too open. But um, you had an interest. You must have had a strong I interest. I did, but I, you know, I was young and impressionable, and my family said, you've got to get a career. And having never done it, I kind of looked very much up to art, but I didn't feel I could do that. And one thing leads to the other, and you learn, and you move forward, and, and so here I am. <laughs> Yeah. Did you actually do textile design? Oh, yeah. I used to have a line of clothing. Oh. And it was um, painted silk and experimental fiber. I also couldn't sew, but that was great <laughs> because I did things that probably I wouldn't do if I'd known. Yes. And um, I loved that. I loved working with textile and fiber, but I did not like the market. I found that difficult, mm -hmm. and I didn't feel like I was married to it. 
So, um, so then you segued into something else. To painting, and that was when encaustic took over, and it was what an eye-opener it was to get into this world that I knew nothing about. But I felt like a fish swimming. It was so many possibilities. It's a very seductive material. I'm glad I gave it up because um, it can hold, it held me back. You know, you get so used to something. You get um, comfortable. It was, yeah, it was comfortable. Even though I would push it, um, I'm, I'm glad that there wasn't enough electricity to run my hot plates when we moved <laughs> to our house because it forced me to go out and scratch and sniff and find something else, you know? You just are forced to develop something. You are hard-bitten with the art spirit. I would say someone that can segue yeah. from music to textile to encaustic and now sculpture, and you just love to, like you said, scratch around and figure things I don't out. I always love it. It's a love-hate, actually. It's not easy, but you draw. You can't really stop it. You get put in front of it, and it starts, but it's not. There are many days I would rather just lie in bed and watch a video or read but you go down to your studio and you sit around and because I know that it's a discipline as well. It's not just the muse. Totally. And I think it's in my older age learning that things do come. With it's, work. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not as blank a slate as it can seem when you actually have a, just nothing there. Mm -hmm. If there's something else or there's shadow, there's a lot of things that can, depending on how you work, mm -hmm. it can strike you and you can just start. But the beginning of being back in the studio is always really difficult. Yeah, and it I, helps to have a deadline and it helps to have a project, I It think. does help, but if the deadline is too close, I am too self-conscious. And then I will usually mess it up. <laughs> you get a little panicky. A panic, too. Yeah. I don't do well with that. I totally yeah. get that. Um, so what's coming up next after the Fleischer Challenge? Will you continue working on the sculptural things? And Oh, yes, I absolutely will. The scale, well, depending how empty my studio gets, um, I will still work. I want to go back to drawings, but I think my drawings now, the last few drawings I did before I started in on with the sculpture, was they were starting to get a little bit more in relief. And I was building out with the silver leaf. And I think the sculpture has informed me now I would maybe start to draw again, but make it more as a three-dimensional project or relief. I don't know what form it's going to take yet. Sounds like an adventure. Uh, <laughs> yes, I suppose. I'll make sure to have my malarial tablets. And <laughs> <laughs> so um, when did you arrive in Philadelphia? I came here nine, well, right at the end of 1983. Um, really, 1984 it was like December 83. So I would say 84 was my first year. It was winter. I'd never experienced a winter before. Because we're from like a very much more temperate climate. Tough times yeah. in the winter in Philadelphia. Not such 
Not was, so warm. Yeah. yeah. Well, learning about the right clothes was uh, <laughs> important. And I realized a hat is super important. Uh-huh. Yes, hats are good. Okay. Um, House gallery, you envision this going on and on and on, like art yeah. would go on and on and on? You know, a lot of it's been by the seat of our pants. Um, it's not, as I mentioned, it's not a formal gallery. We don't want to spend more time working on it. We do a lot sometime, um, but it's not something, it's open by appointments. It's not something where we're sitting around open. We're not, really, the, it's a way for an artist to network. We send out to our network. They send out to their network. Uh, they can see their work beyond the studio. Um, we do also have Airbnb, and I sometimes think it would be great to bring in an artist from further afield. I don't want to bring people in from too far because we're not going to necessarily sell. So if we had the ability to host them where they could be on the ground for two weeks or three weeks doing their own thing, that might make them it worthwhile for them. Well, we haven't gotten to that point yet. And that's the next step, I guess, is to learn about grant writing. Oh, my goodness. And how to do that. Yes. You know, and that's a whole other field. It is indeed. That's another job. A it job, could be a full-time yeah. job. Well, yeah. it sounds like you're talking about an artist's residency almost for a couple of weeks. Have someone come and live and work. And I don't know about work because we don't have the space, but maybe another place would have the space. Uh, it's possible. It would be more they can be on the ground and reach out to other people. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, well, but it hasn't happened yet. So things <laughs> come. What I've really learned is patience. I think through this, you know where you want to go, and then it's sometimes not, you're not even working towards it, and then you pick it up, and things happen when, the, when it's supposed to. Yeah, although sometimes you have to make it work. Well, so you don't that it give does up work. Your eye. You don't move your eye from the ball, not for long. But it's it, it takes time, especially when you're not putting all your time into something. You know, at that point, then you can make it work. But there are other things going on. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, on that note, it's been really lovely mm -hmm. talking to you. It's been a very philosophical yeah. discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. It's a, been a pleasure talking to you. Totally. Thank I you. agree. <laughs>